The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. week from now when this goes live you and i will be in indy at the combine it's gonna be a brisk 35 degrees in indiana in the winter by the way so i hope you're ready for that yep uh but in the meantime we have no shame when we rip off our friends okay none i'm willing to admit a good format's a good format and so uh we are stealing mercilessly from our buddies Trevor and Connor over at the uh, NFL Stock Exchange podcast. They do this format called No Notes, where they each come up with a few questions for each other and don't tell each other what the questions are before they are asked. So you have to go into it blind with no notes, answer to the best of your ability. And I, uh, I, I tend to think this format creates more honest answers in the moment. So... <laughs> Should be Are fun. You calling me dishonest, Coleman. No, I'm just saying. You know, when you don't get a chance to formulate a diplomatic answer, uh, know, I see. What's what, what's the the phrase? It's like a, a drunk words or sober thoughts. But you know, for NFL draft. Yeah, exactly. That'll be our title, <laughs> not no notes. We, we can't steal the title too. We won't waste any more of your time. We're gonna get right into it. First blind question. This one's from me to you. EJ. 2004. Long time ago. Almost 20 years ago, actually. Actually, no, it literally was 20 drafts ago at this point. (laughs) Almost, huh? (laughs) I know. I'm fucking old now. My God. Uh, So 20 years ago in the 2004 draft, that was the record for most wide receivers in the first round at seven. Will this year's class break that record? No. This year's class will not break that record. I don't even think they're going to tie it. They might tie it, but they won't break it. They will not break it. Do you have, and again, I'm not going to hold you to this. Do you have an idea if they do tie it, who those seven might be? Uh, Yes, for sure. I mean, we're going to start off with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Neighbors and Odunze. And I have to tell you, I've, I've, Doved, divin, dived, 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 dived into the <laughs> mock draft pool. Uh, started a few days ago. I'm just running them in between, trying to keep my brain fresh, watching all this tape. 
And the nightmare scenario that I think will come true that is relevant to this question is that neighbors, Odunze, and Bowers are all off the board by nine. And For Chicago, are, you mean? Mm-hmm. Which would mean, Ooh. you know, you can pick an edge, which is fine, but, like, it happens. I've probably run eight mock drafts, and it's happened in, like, seven of eight <laughs> it happens very consistently and you kind of sit there and stare at the board and go okay now what because that's what i was gonna do so you end up picking jared verse or latu or trying to trade down if that's an option but you're sitting there going man i really wanted one of those three guys um so again marvin harrison jr neighbors odunze who else do I think is going in the first round? Let me pull up my wide you think, receiver. You think Brian rankings. Thomas Jr.? Brian Thomas Jr. is one of the guys I think could go at the end. I really like Brian Thomas Jr. There is some argument about his polish. I don't have those concerns um, in terms of other guys that could go. Uh, Troy Franklin is a name I hear a lot. A lot of speed. I, I know you put out a nice little tweet about his hands the other night. Good on you for stirring the 10% pot. 10% drop rate, man. Like, it's not, I, I'm not saying he has the worst hands in the world, but, like, we can't act like it's not a thing. No, <laughs> like, I understand. That, he's a 6'3", 185-pound receiver with a 10% drop rate. Like, come on. Yeah, <laughs> like, what indeed. are we doing? It's it's a thing, and we need to pay attention to it for sure. Um, A.D. Mitchell? That's uh, not for me necessarily, but I could see it. I could see Leggett sneaking in at the bottom. I don't, again, it's going to be dealer's choice for the teams that are in that range to say, is the fifth or sixth, or in your case, seventh wide receiver better than the first or second or possibly third player at a different position? of need and I think there's going to be better value and that's what always happens when we have these debates about a certain position whether it's wide receiver whether it's quarterback and people like oh we're gonna have more than five quarterbacks in a year when you get down to that fifth quarterback it's man is the fifth quarterback truly better than like edge three or dt2 or center one or if there's a great inside linebacker that year that's what always happens is the momentum just kind of builds to the point where people go okay hold up I'll just wait till mm -hmm. round two. Um, so I that's why I say they won't break it. They might tie it. I actually don't think they will. I think we'll come in underneath that. I think it will be five, maybe six. I would say six as well. Um, partially just because I think there's so many good receivers on day two that like teams are going to be able to justify, again, taking something else. Like let's say Edger and Cooper's floating around. Or, you know, let's say one of the the good pass rushing interior defensive linemen, whether it's Johnny Newton somehow takes a tumble or, mm -hmm. or Byron Murphy, you know, it, when you're comparing wide receiver seven to one of those guys, like to your point, it's kind of like, uh, I, I mm. could go Malachi Corley next round to take that guy, you know? Uh, so I, I would say six as well. Obviously the big three, Marv, Adunze, neighbors. I have A.D. Mitchell at wide receiver four personally, which I know I'm higher on him than than most people. And that's okay. I'm, I'm willing to die on that hill. Uh, Brian Thomas <laughs> as Jr. Usual. As usual. As usual. Brian Thomas Jr. I also see going that high. And then yeah. it starts to get tricky mm -hmm. for me. Because it's like, at this point, do I think Tez Walker... 
is going to go in the first round. I think if he had a really, really stellar mobile, he could have reminded people of the player he was a couple of years ago. That didn't happen. So that's <laughs> probably not where he's going to go at this point. Again, I'm not a huge Troy Franklin guy. Not that I hate Troy Franklin, but like, is he one of the 32 best players in this class? Not for me. Keon Coleman, I have some questions about. Um, Xavier He's Worthy, another one I, I think could about. go in the first. I actually think Coleman should be in my batch of potential. It only takes one team. I, too, have some reservations about him, but I could also very easily see one or two teams going, you know what he is? Mm-hmm. he's our new blank and you know whether or not we think that's true again it doesn't matter it only takes one or two teams to say nope that guy's coming off the board so he's in that mix for me at the end of the first round with thomas and franklin and, and these other names that are like oh you know that next tier can i throw one at you that i think goes 33 to carolina but could very easily go 32 to kc and yes. this should terrify people right lad he would be very good in either of those systems, although for different reasons. But yes. I mean, for Carolina, like they just need anybody who can separate, which is him. And then KC, they need anybody who can separate 10 plus yards down the field, <laughs> which yeah. which is him. So like I, I think Lad's a sneaky one to KC. That would be that would be really, really tough to stop. Uh, all right. What's your first question to me? My first question for you um, of our six biggest pre-combine questions, who are a couple of players you think testing will help the most and a couple of players who you think testing might slow their roll a little bit? Mm. Um, I have to imagine Chop Robinson's going to, I mean, he's a Penn State edge, so of course yes. he's going to have a great combine. He's on my list. The the tape grade with Chop is going to be lower than a lot of the other top edges in this class, right? Like, Verse has a much better tape grade. Latu has a much better tape grade. Dallas Turner has a much better tape grade. Braylon Trice, like, you go down the line. He, he probably doesn't have one of the top seven to eight tape grades among all the edges in this class. But he is going to put on such a ridiculous show in mm-hmm. Indy. There's going to be some team that's like, I can fix him. And it's going to help him a lot when it comes to to where he gets drafted. He's going to make a lot of money next week. Um, I would say, uh, ooh, another defensive lineman, uh, Chris Jenkins from yep. Michigan. He's on my list too. His nickname at Michigan is literally the Mutant. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> he's doing uh, uh, Turkish getups with like 180 pound dumbbells. Yep. 170. He's, he's insane. He's insane. He's going to have a really good week too. Uh, and then on the offensive side, um, I think Jatavian Sanders. I think mm. Jatavian Sanders is going to test really, really well, assuming he's all the way healthy, which he yes. should be by now. Yeah. But I think uh, I think he's going to put up some pretty crazy numbers. He's going to remind some people. He's a great one. Um, who are some players you think might – stumble a little bit or sort of slow people's fascination with them when they go oh he was his arms were only this long he only ran that fast oh man this is and again i i don't i don't want to be like too negative about troy franklin every time i bring him up but i really hope 
you know, when he when he shows up there, he can tip the scale at like 195. I would take 195. I would love if he's up to 200 at mm. this point. But if you roll out there at 6'3", 185, like that is, that is really, really light, at least for that frame, right? And I would love to see him show up with a, a, a 195 to 200 pound frame and still run fast and do well in the drills and everything like that. But like, I, I his frame is something that's concerned me because physicality gave him a lot of trouble, uh, you know, last season. And I would love to see him be able to still do all the stuff he does well, which is run really, really fast and, and be really, really explosive with just a little bit more sand in the pants. Like that's... I, I, I worry about him if he doesn't put on weight. <laughs> it's okay, Mom. <laughs> He'll hold up. <laughs> no, I in, in regards to Franklin, he's going to run fast. I don't care whether he shows up at 180, 185, you know, 195. We know he's going to run fast. Um, there are certain drills that are going to be fascinating to watch for certain people. You talked about a high drop rate with him. Uh, for me, in terms of hands, I'm I'm fascinated. I mean, popcorn riveted for Johnny Wilson's gauntlet drill. Oh, like, uh, it might yeah. not be kind to him. I don't know. It, it might not. But again, there are certain drills. So on the plus side, you named a couple of mine. Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins is, is an odd player. Fascinatingly strong. Mm-hmm. He's only about 275. And if I said to you, do you have a use for a 275-pound run stuffer who's really good like at that? He's amazing. He holds up against much larger players because he is so freakishly strong. But like, I think a lot of teams would be like, wait, what? <laughs> a 275-pound run stuffer. But hey, that's man. exactly what he is. Even if he's just Morgan Fox... Yeah. I'll take Morgan Fox like yeah. tomorrow. In, in, a, <laughs> in a lot of ways, he plays like that. Chop Robinson was on my list. Dwayne Carter, the DT from Duke, I think is going to remind some people why he had such buzz a year ago. Um, Malik Mustafa, the safety from Wake Forest, I think is going to fly. Uh, Miles Cole, <laughs> just in terms of measurables, the Texas Tech pass rusher, like he's going to he's going to remind some folks like, Oh yeah, he was actually bigger than his teammate who went really high last year. Okay. Um, Mason Smith, the DT from LSU, is going to put up some crazy power numbers. Chris Braswell, the linebacker from Alabama, uh, mm-hmm. is a ridiculous athlete. And I think a lot of people are sort of, again, Alabama's defense always stacked. Some Definitely some more high-profile names on that defense who are going to get chosen before him. He's going to combine is going to be good for him. It's going to it's going to push him back up into the spotlight. Um, and Trevin Wallace, way down the board, linebacker from Kentucky, who is not going to have great measurables in terms of size, but is going to run like crazy and is is super well built. Um, but the biggest one, Kingsley Suamataya from BYU. Oh, yeah, he's gonna crush like monster. He. It's possible that as a 300-plus-pound offensive tackle, that guy's going to run in the four eights. I would not be shocked at all. It's like, honestly, yeah, he is. No, he is a is and has been for the last two to three years a solid described as a solid four nine guy at like three, whatever he is, 15, 20, like and lots of people have been whispering like he has a legit shot at breaking into the four eights as an offensive tackle, which is a fascinating and scary thought for minuses. It's a guy we've talked about a lot, lot to 
everybody already knows his arms aren't that long. I don't think he's going to run at the top tier. Like he's not going to run like Chop Robinson runs. We know that. No. Um, and I think some people are probably just going to, again, look at those numbers. People tend to do this. They take the combine charts and they go, oh, he was 11th and 10 yard split or whatever he's going to be, as opposed to the people who are just safe in their grades in terms of tape and like production. Because again, it's, it's not like these guys are growing at this point for the most part. The season ended a couple of months ago. They know how fast he is. They know how quick he is. They know how skilled he is. They're going to look at his numbers and go, yeah, we didn't expect him to test super well. However, he keeps whipping people's asses. But there he will have some of that lowered shine just because people go, oh, man, his arms are only whatever they are, 31 and a half or 32 and a half. And, you know, oh, his 10 yard was, like I said, ninth or 11th or whatever it is even if those players above him are lesser players in terms of tape grade uh when we talk about combine and combine results and what it does for people he's one that might take a little shine off all I care about with Latu is is he hitting a sub seven three cone like that's that's yep. literally all I give a shit like you know if he hits a six nine okay I've yeah. seen all I if, need to see. Like, if he's it. above the eliminators, and this is the way it is yeah. with a lot of positions, and we should say that there are eliminator elimination thresholds for certain teams on certain tests for certain positions. And as long as you come in underneath that, if you have a great tape grade, they're like, cool. I, I don't have to convince my GM that I'm drafting a historical outlier. So we're good. My second question for you is a name that I already brought up, by the way, with somebody who could blow up at the combine next week and that is jatavian sanders Mm. we know him on this podcast we love Mm -hmm. him on this podcast you and i have been uh eagerly awaiting uh, what he's gonna run because we think it's gonna be really fast my second question for you though is when all is said and done and he tests super well and he does great at the pro day and he's in the drills and we've heard he's going to interview great we know that Brock Bowers is going to go in the first round. I personally think Jatavian won't go that far after him. And so my question to you with that giant unnecessary buildup, plus or minus 40th overall pick, Jatavian Sanders. Oh, man. 40th is really good because most of the boards that I'm messing with right now have him at like 41. <laughs> exactly. So you're right there. You you picked the perfect over-under line. Um, I think because of the strength of wide receiver, uh, people will be looking at explosive offensive threats, which he is absolutely. I just, uh, did my full study on him this week, uh, along with Brock Bowers. So I was reminding myself of how great JT is, uh, and really how close the gap probably is. People are thinking that there's this massive drop off and there is a drop off, but it is not massive. Like he is a very nice consolation prize as TE2 in this draft. And then I think there is a pretty big shelf after that. I think if you don't get one of those two guys and you wanted a tight end, you'll be waiting a little while. Um, There's like four guys holding pitchforks right now because they love Ben Sinat so much. So uh, you know, that. that's cool. Sonat's a good player. I like him too, but he is not going to go anywhere near the range of Bowers or uh, Jatavian Sanders. 40th overall. I'm going to go out on a limb and say just because of positional value lower that he will go after 40. Not far, but after. Yeah. If he goes in the 30s, his best shot, in my opinion, is going to be 
the the Chargers or the Giants, who are at 37 and 39, respectively. And I know a lot of Chargers fans want Brock Bowers at five. Correct. <laughs> They're not doing it. They're not doing it. It's it's offensive line or it's corner. That would be a and, great twosome, though, if they do go as predicted yeah. OL up high and they get Jatavian Sanders with their second round pick. Like I'm, Chargers I'm fans are going to get. Chargers fans are going to be really happy after that happens as soon as he hits the field because he's a dynamic player. He's a playmaker. He's a threat. Um, he'll be a lot of fun uh, in that offense. Again, you now have an offensive coordinator that likes to feature tight ends. So he's going to get his targets like that. That would be a nice sandwich. I would like that a lot, actually. I know Chargers fans, they're going to be very upset when inevitably they take either an offensive lineman or a corner. <laughs> Instead of instead of neighbors or Adunze, but like I'm trying to prepare them for this. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. stop stop with the jersey swaps for Malik neighbors. Like it's not like if they were at eight, maybe at sure. five, no. Like it's it's Joe Alt or pick your favorite corner or trade down. Those are the options. Which means if you want a tight end, which they need a tight end, it's round two or round three which means Jatavian Sanders or Ben Sanat. So if you want to do jersey swaps, do one of those guys because that's who you're getting, <laughs> folks. Okay? I uh, uh, love it. By the way, uh, not to do the clunkiest transition of all time, but if you're also a big fan of Jatavian Sanders or one of the four people in the corner who love Ben Sanat, you can draft either of them right now on Underdog Fantasy because Rookie Best Ball is live right now. It actually started in early February. Uh, and so if you enjoy playing fantasy football and you're a draft fiend and you've been doing work on all these draft prospects and you think you can find the next Sam Laporta, who this time last year wasn't even being drafted and Puka wasn't being drafted. And I don't even think a chain was going before like the last couple rounds this time last year. Uh, so if you have a keen eye for talent and you want to make some money off that keen eye for talent in rookie best ball leagues. Again, those are going on right now. You can use either the QR code that's on the screen. You can use uh, the link in the description, promo code bootleg. They will match your deposit up to 100 bucks, And you can also get access to a new depositor special, which this time of year is going to be NBA-focused because there's no more football, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun way to kind of plant your flag on some of these rookies before they even actually get into the league. And I'm pretty sure that Jatavian Sanders is going very, very, very late. So if you love him, draft him. Yeah, and do it before the combine. Because once he goes to the combine and reminds everybody, that number's going to rise. Just plain, plain and simple, that's going to happen. He's that kind of athlete. So question number two for you. Do you think the Bears will have a deal in place for fields after the combine ends? Or do you think it will take a little bit longer? I think they might already have one. Ooh, I'm not going to lie. I think they've already taken calls. And I, I think know they've taken the combine. Sure. Well, yeah, we know they've taken calls. <laughs> like We know for a fact they've taken calls. Um, but I would say next week is polls posting up at St. Elmo's and taking everybody's final offers. And then they'll decide after combine week. But like, there, people are already trying. Like teams are already trying. The only question to me is not if he gets traded, it's where he gets traded 
and what the price ends up being. I do think it could legitimately end up being a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what team's going to do it. Very similar to my answer. I believe that is true already, that there is interest, and they're gauging that interest, and next week is really the come one, come all, drop your chips on the table, let's see what everybody's got, we'll ask for everybody's best and final, see what you got, and that's going to clear up a lot of things. It's going to clear up, obviously, Chicago's draft strategy. They're going to have more picks, whichever picks those are. They're going to have a focus that they are picking a quarterback. Um, Other teams are also going to either still have need for a quarterback if they don't get Justin Fields and they're in the sweepstakes, or if they are the winner of that sweepstakes, they can then presumably take quarterback off their list of high draft choices and start surrounding him with talent if that's what they need to do and they likely do for most of the landing spots so i think they will have that offer i think it will clear up a bunch of draft speculation not only for chicago but also for the teams that well certainly the team that wins but the other teams that were rumored to have made a bid my theory i kind of want to expand on this real quick go ahead my theory for the top three teams that are in Right now, oh, can I can I guess? Can I guess? I'll let you go first. How about that? I'll see if I I'll see if I agree with your top three. Okay. So Patriots, Falcons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got a I got a weird one for the third that people don't agree with, but I've kind of been messing with it in my head, and it's getting really hard to forget. What's the third? Giants. Ooh. I hadn't so, been looking at it up until about a week and a half ago. And like I said, I started messing with draft simulators and people, okay, this is my quick PSA for draft simulators. Everybody says, oh, he'll never be there and their board's wrong. And yes. Yes, they are. They're all wrong. We know that. <laughs> That's not the point. Draft simulators are to jump on and see where their boards are now, where the boards move to, generally what kind of runs happen as you go through whatever mock draft you want to do. One round, three rounds, seven rounds, I don't care. You're going to start to see, oh, hey, if I want a big, tall, fast, wide receiver, I better get one by about 45 or they're all going to be gone. That's what draft simulators are really useful. And and use as many as you can. I'm not going to say this one's best because they're all different and they have that different valuation and you can kind of mess with it and just sort of see where the flow goes. So I started messing with draft simulators And some of them allow you to trade players. And so I was like, I started off with the basics. Yeah, he goes to New England. Fields goes to New England. Fields goes to Atlanta. These have been rumored for, you know, a couple of months now. They're logical destinations. Washington, but they've got the number two pick overall. They can get a quarterback another way if they want to. Like, they're just kind of, and I was like, who's the third? Like, things come in threes. Who's the third? And man, number six pick right there. Now, they're not going to be giving their first round pick for it. And yes, they still have a lot of money tied up in Daniel Jones. I get it. But I was like, oh, like big athletic quarterback that can really run, has a big arm. Like Table knows how to use that. He used it with Daniel Jones. His first season with Daniel Jones, he featured his legs to great effect and took the Giants to the playoffs when they shouldn't have won four or five games probably. And I was like, oh, like dark horse, like Oh, look at that. And I just haven't been able to forget it. I would be. First of all, I would not be surprised if the Giants did it just because I think everybody in that building like Tommy DeVito was winning games that Daniel Jones was not winning. Right. I think everybody in the building knows like, okay, yeah, that's that's not a that's not it. He's not the future. Right. Um, 
but I I also think there might be a little bit of a, a standoff right now between New England and the Giants because the Giants are not going to take J.J. McCarthy at six. They're not going to take Penix at six or, or Bo Nix at six. And so they kind of they kind of want to see what New England's going to do. Yes, because they their only shot at getting a quarterback at six is if somehow Jaden Daniels falls there, which is, is possible. Sure. But if New England's trading for Justin Fields, that signals, hey, we're taking Marvin at three. And then at four, like maybe maybe Atlanta tries to jump up to four or anything like that. But like the only scenario where the Giants are even getting Jaden Daniels. So you could argue, you know, he he's going to one of those two and we just don't know which one yet. And obviously, of course, Atlanta's also in the mix. I would say Pittsburgh's in the mix. Yes, they are. I, I, I still think the Rams are like a dark horse. Not because they need him right now, but just because they need a plan for the future. And they don't really have one. <laughs> and they're not going to be in position to have one anytime soon. Because I think they're too good. So I I, I would not be surprised if, if there's a little stare down between number three and number six in the draft right now. To see which one of them takes takes fields because that could determine then where Marv goes, where neighbor goes, where, where Odunze goes and where Jaden Daniels goes. Fully agree. It's, it's actually not great for Chicago if he goes to new England, because most likely they're going to start the run of receiver, you know, a, a pick earlier. Um, it, you know, it doesn't really twist it one way or another. There's a lot of smoke about Pittsburgh and I actually like the fit. It's not that I don't think that, you know, Pittsburgh is interested, they would probably have to pay more. Their pick is, you know, if we if it does creep up into the, you know, into a second round pick, a lot of people think it won't. But if there's four teams involved, it's going to. If there are four yeah. teams legitimately involved, somebody's going to a second round pick to get him. Because if you don't, then your options are laid out in the draft, or you got to be really comfortable with like Jacoby Brissett, who I think is a fine bridge and and better than some people think, can play, you know, certainly mid level starter football in the NFL. And, you know, that's what you're looking at, but that's what you're left with. You have to get Jacoby Brissett. If you're Pittsburgh and you're just, you know, the smoke about, oh, we're going to decide whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. Like, really? <laughs> you are? Okay. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe it either. Right. It's posturing. And, you know, then what are you going to do if you don't, if you, you know, swing and miss on fields, then you're looking at second tier quarterback out of this draft, which they might be completely comfortable with. Or you take the big swing and go for fields. But if there's three or four players involved there, like legit interest, it will creep up to a second round pick, regardless of what you think fields is worth as a player. It's what people will pay for him. All right. My last question for you. Uh, we talked to this player at the Shrine Bowl. He's a great interview. That interview's coming out soon. Uh, Edron Cooper, Texas yes. A&M linebacker crazy athlete talk about somebody's gonna boost his stock at indy like yeah he, he's gonna test out of this world yes great dude probably gonna be the only linebacker that even has a shot at going in the first round wouldn't be surprised if he went in the first round but we also acknowledge this is not a great linebacker class and so my question mm. to you is is edron cooper the only linebacker inside off-ball linebacker that goes in the first two rounds. 
I'm going to say yes, and fairly comfortably. Here's why. I don't think Edge is going in the first round. Just positionally, I think he's a great player. We talked to him. He is a stupid athlete. Like, he is so fast. I compared him favorably to JOK as an athlete, which is rare air. Like, I think JOK is a better athlete. (laughs) But bigger, right? So he's gonna he's gonna be in the JOK range athletically, but he's bigger. So great, great player, love him. I somebody will need him, but I actually think he might go like middle of the second, and then you would be saying that like the next inside linebacker goes in the you know second fifteen picks of the second round. I don't think that happens. Like I do not think that happens. The only one that might. Is Peyton Wilson to me? I can see he, it happening, the only one and you're shot. right. You're right. If it happens, it is. He is the apple of somebody's eye. He is going to test crazy. We talked about this last week. He is 234 pounds. He hit 23 miles an hour on GPS in pads on the field this year, this fall. That's nuts. That's faster than Tyree Kill runs for the most part, like or the same speed that Tyree Kill runs, who is much lighter than he is. So. Yeah, Peyton Wilson is going to test crazily and again. Somebody, it only takes one team, but I actually could see Peyton being one of those players that like leads off the third round because somebody's like, oh, Peyton Wilson's still on the board. Hey, we need a linebacker and he's pretty good. Edge Cooper, I do not think lasts to the end of the second round, but I think he might be the only player yet inside linebacker in this draft that gets drafted in the first two rounds. The highest range I could see Edge going is probably like Houston in the in the early twenties. That's where it starts for him. Yeah. But I agree, very easily could slip down to I don't know Green Bay at forty one. Yeah. I, I could see mm-hmm. I could see Jacksonville at forty eight. Oh God, Philly at fifty. If he's there at 50 and Philly doesn't take him with what's, yeah. with what's with what's going on in their linebacking core, there's no way they pass on him at 50. But um, that's 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 a pretty wide range, right? Like 23 to 50 that you could go. Yeah. No, I fully agree. And it's an odd class this year. There are a couple of guys, I would say two, two and a half. We talked about this. We joked about the two and a half inside linebackers that are at the top of the rankings. And then, you know, there are other players that are talented down the board. I mentioned Trevin Wallace is a guy who's going to test really well. Um, Cedric Gray from UNC, I really like for certain things. I like Lufoshio from UW farther down the board is if you need a pass coverage linebacker, he had one of the best pass coverage grades in the nation. Now he's not, I would say, fully rounded, fully featured type of linebacker. But if you need that role in your defense, if you need a pass covering sort of will type linebacker, like you could do a lot worse. So there are guys with skills, but they're not going to go high because of the devaluation of inside linebacker for the most part. And it's just not that strong a class. It's not like there's eight Uber athletes at the top of the ILB rankings. All right. Time has come. Final question. Hit me. Okay. It is a three-part question, and it is questions about records. Do we break records for, much like you asked me about wide receiver records for the first round? So do we break the records for total number of guys, regardless of position, running in the four twos for the 40? Ooh. 
Ah, oh, man, there's a lot of fast dudes in this class. There's <laughs> a lot of guys that reportedly fly in this class. So I would say we have the best shot we've had in a few years to break that number. Will we? Man, it's so tough. And I don't know, have you been following the, well, the ever continuing timing controversy about Indianapolis? They still haven't released timing details about how they're going to time and a lot of a lot of agents don't they don't they do a combo manual laser they 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 do but there was supposedly going to be some shifts and and the details about that haven't been revealed and we're almost there and so people are getting a little bit nervous and there's whispers that certain agents might tell their clients not to run at the combine because they don't have assurances and it might not be the best thing for them so uh it's all fascinating intrigue like i'm like I don't know. I think about this and I'm like, how hard can this be? Right. Like I think about international track, right? The the purses in international track, the prize pools in international track are extremely lucrative. Like you can make a very good living running international track. You mm-hmm. can be a multimillionaire. Right. They don't they don't have timing figured out yet. I think they got a pretty good handle on how to time a running race guy going from one point or gal going from one point to another. Like it it doesn't seem that hard. And in terms of what guys make in the 40 now, forties now in terms of going up half a round because you ran a four, two instead of the four, four that everybody thought you were going to run. Like you're making money. You're making similar. We'll just call it prize money. It's contract money, but like you can't like just take the world track timing system into the Olympic timing system and be like, Hey guys, this is how it works. You know, so it always fascinates me that they can't get this figured out. But um, I think this year we got a really fast class. We have a eh, they've redone the track several times. It's supposed to be pretty fast. We saw some fast times last year. But as you said, there's a, a just a lot of guys in this class that are reportedly super duper fast. I, I did look it up, by the way, uh, while you were talking. And since 1999. There have been 27 total sub 4 3 40-yard <laughs> dashes. So we're looking at an average of what, one point yeah, something? Yeah, 1.0 something a year. Yeah. So, I again, I'd have to go through and look at like individual years. I'm going to say the record is probably like three in a year. It feels like it. I think we tie it. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if we have a push. four. There's a right. lot of guys that are going to hit sub four three five, but hitting sub four three is like that's a whole different. That's a whole different. There's thing. still like every, a every like hundred at that yeah, level is, no. is tough. There's still a collective gasp in Indy whenever a four two time comes up on the board. People are like whoa because as you said, it's super rare. You see about one per year on average. So if we see two, it's a very good year. If we were to see three, which we might this year, we know of at least two guys that have run that in training. And again, training in the event, different things. It's very possible. I think we could, you know, tie or break the record this year because, yeah, look, guys get faster every year. We had this a couple of years ago with the next question I'm going to roll into, which was, uh, well, the last question I'm going to roll into, I'll just make that my second question. Number of guys over 300 pounds running under five in the 40. Oh, man. Um, so just going through 
the interiors, I would say Byron Murphy probably does it. Chris Jenkins. Oh, no. Well, no. Chris Jenkins won't be 300 plus. Um, Michael Hall won't be 300 plus. Johnny Newton, no. maybe I could see. He's, so he's right two. around. We'll see what he weighs in at. Again, a lot of these guys might weigh in light, but it's really, it's going to come down to like offensive linemen who break five. And we had a bunch of those last year. Uh, so that would you know. be Alt and Olu, I think, could both do it. Uh, uh, I think Tyler Sula- Guyton does it. Sumataya does it. Does it for sure. Amarius so Mims have, might, which is good. crazy because he he's could. like 340. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to show up at like 340, but he still might do it. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Fuaga's a maybe. Dwayne Carter could do it for Duke, and he's like 303 or 305. Honestly, um, the one that I can't wait to see is can Jackson Powers Johnson do it? Because if he does, he does it, it's like, dude, all bets are off. I don't care how exactly. high you want to mock him. Like, <laughs> that just blows like, the lid don't give off. A shit. He could right. be an option at nine. I don't care. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, I think we probably will see more guys over 300 pounds, over or right about at. I'm counting 299, 300, 302, all that. Running five or lower in the 40 because those guys have really started to train in a different way for the event and they're just insane athletes so many of them we see the the power numbers like the combined wattage power numbers for three lifts in their weight room and you know they're totaling 1300 watts or something for three lifts and you're like they're just a lot of big guys that can really move that is superhero stuff we're seeing you know front squats of 450 you know, back squats, 650, 700, like these are incredibly powerful athletes and they come in, they don't, you know, these are not the sloppy 335 pound, you know, offensive linemen of years past who are like, Hey, I never have to run the 40 again. Five, four is fine. Right. Yeah. They're coming in fit with super low body percentage, you know, super low body fat percentage. And they are motoring down that runway in Indianapolis. So, Last one's a little bit easier. It's just a straight measurement number. Total number of cornerbacks over six feet tall. <laughs> oh, man. Eight? Is it maybe? Because it, it feels like we have a lot. I think that might, I think that number might be the highest ever because you and I were talking about this when we were in Dallas that, you know, five years ago, if you're like, oh, yeah, it's that corner that's 6'2, you're like, oh, I know the one. <laughs> Yeah, and now when you go, oh, it's that corner that's over six two. You mean like the six four one, or the six three one, or the five that are six two, or like the eight that are six one, or six foot? Like, there's so many tall corners. We've seen that transition that we heard was coming three and four years ago. Like, hey, if you don't have the greatest hands and you want to touch the ball, maybe you should play defense, right? Because you can make a really good living as a guy over six foot that plays corner as opposed to being the 55th wide receiver in your class, right, at best. So we've seen that transition from wide receiver to corner. They brought their speed and their height with them. And man, I mean, even at Shrine this year, you looked around the field, there were multiple safeties at 6'2", 6'3", multiple corners over six foot, like, there were entire defensive packages where the entire defensive backfield was over six feet, right? Including a nickel. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, like that's four or five, six footers right there. So I think we're going to see a record number of cornerbacks over six feet tall. Just kind of going through Kool-Aid will be over six feet. 
DeGene's over six feet. Wiggins over six feet. Yeah, it's uh, not hard to find uh, him. Terry Arnold over six feet. I think Quinion is six feet flat. There, there's just there's a lot of them. Okay, right. That's, All the top corners. There's a lot. It used of them. to be like, oh, there's this one guy that's six two, but then there's this really good guy who's super fast, but he's five nine. Oh, is he corner three? Like a five nine corner right now? Even if he's the best nickel in the class, is not going to be corner three because there's so much height, speed, and skill at that position now. The mid 2010s, I can't tell you how many 6263 corners got overdrafted by two rounds at least because Richard Sherman existed like that I can't tell you how how much the success of that Legion of Boom era defense mm-hmm. just rotted the brains of so many GMs in the mid 2010s that passed on very good like 511 510 corners <laughs> right. to, to get like Stanley John Baptiste <laughs> like like that that's what happened for years years and now we're finally getting a bunch of like actually really really good corners that are that size that grew up playing seven on seven uh and they they grew up playing receiver and then converted to corner because corners started making 20 million a year so we're, we're finally starting to see the effects of that and uh defenses defensive coordinators could not be happier yeah it's uh just to blow your mind completely there's a guy playing the hbcu legacy bowl at corner mm. this weekend Who's six mm-hmm. four? God, and he's got good feet too. So, um, yeah, it's there's a lot of talent all over the board. <laughs> a lot of it is very big, very tall, very fast. I don't care what position you're talking about. The combine is going to be extremely fun. We're going to be there. We're both going to be in Indianapolis this year. Um, it's it's going to be a popcorn event. It always is. There will be numbers to pay attention to. Again, there will be numbers that are just fun and flashy, kind of like those summer blockbusters you go to that don't have a plot. Uh, it's okay. Just enjoy them for what they are, and then let them go and, and, and get back to the film like you always do. I'm not sure if we'll have an episode next week because we'll be at the Combine running around doing stuff all over Indy, and then we even we fly out there and fly back on different days. Uh, you fly back on Friday, I fly back on Sunday, so I, I don't know if we're recording out there, but even if we don't, we'll get an episode uh, in the can shortly after Combine, so we might have a quote-unquote week off, but not really a week off. Either way, hang tight. We'll be back very soon. Uh, thank you all for watching and listening, however you happen to be watching and listening, and we'll see you all very soon. find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader